Hello, welcome to Bible Read Me. I'm Charles Van Dersen. Today we'll pick up on May the 14th, day 134. We read Psalms 103, 108 through 110, 122, and 124. Some notable and well-known verses in Psalm 103 are, quote, Bless the Lord, O my soul, end quote. I wonder how David knew that the north had a measurable location when he said, quote, He has removed our sins as far as the east is from the west. Psalm 109 is an imprecatory psalm that is aimed at God's enemies. It was quoted by the disciples as they applied it to Judas, the betrayer, quote, Let someone else take his place. May his curses cling to him, end quote. In Matthew chapter 22, verses 44 through 46, Jesus silenced the Pharisees with a question about verse 1 of Psalm 110, quote, The Lord said to my Lord, end quote. A couple of well-known phrases in Psalm 122 are, quote, I was glad when they said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord, end quote. Psalms 122 and 124 are called Songs of Ascent because they were a part of a collection of psalms that were sung as the Israelite pilgrims who were traveling through the towns in their ascent to Jerusalem during the three annual feasts being held there. May the 15th, day 135. We read Psalms 131, 133, 138 through 141, and 143. In Psalm 131, as a song of ascension, David is demonstrating the proper attitude a worshiper should have as he or she approaches the temple of the Lord. Psalm 133, verse 1, quote, How good and pleasant it is for brothers to dwell together in harmony, end quote, was composed following Israel's civil war between the northern and southern tribes after King Saul's death. Reference 2 Samuel chapter 2, verse 12, through chapter 4, verse 12. Psalm 138 is a thanksgiving song. The Lord's brother, James, quoted this in James chapter 4, verse 6, quote, Though the Lord is great, he cares for the humble, but he resists the proud, end quote. Psalm 139 iterates four of God's major attributes, his omniscience, his omnipresence, his omnipotence, and his absolute holiness. Verses 23 and 24 contain some of the same ideas as the Lord's Prayer does in Matthew 6. Psalm 140 is an imprecatory song against those who are trying to harm David with various diabolical schemes. Psalm 141 is a song of lament. David asked the Lord to interpret his prayers as an act of worship. He asked for protection from the wicked and affirmed the blessing of chastisement from loving believers who helped to keep him on the righteous path. Psalm 143 is a penitential song where David considered the good old days. May 16, day 136. We read Psalms 144, 145, 88, and 89. Psalm 144 is one of around 18 royal psalms. These are so-called because they were either written for or by a king, or they at least make reference to the worship of the future messianic king. In it, David praises God for his past victories and requests blessings for his present and in the distant future while surrounded by enemies. Psalm 145 is the last of David's 73 psalms. It is the only psalm with the inscription, 
a psalm of praise in its title. In it, he extols God's greatness, grace, faithfulness, and absolute holiness, enveloped with a call to praise him for these attributes. Dr. Charles Ryrie identifies Psalm 88 as, quote, the saddest psalm in the Psalter, end quote. Dr. John MacArthur notes that, quote, this lament is unusual in that it does not end on a happy note, end quote. Yet in spite of all his suffering, the composer demonstrates an underlying trust in God. In Psalm 89, the composer iterates his mental conflict between God's faithfulness in keeping the Davidic covenant, verses 1 through 37, and his confusion with the apparent unfulfillment of it as Judah suffers defeat and the seemingly end to the Davidic dynasty, verses 38 through 51. However, in the last verse, verse 52, he affirms his worship of God without even trying to resolve the tension. May the 17th, day 137. We read Psalms 50, 73, and 74. In Psalm 50, Asaph warned the believers that God will judge their disingenuous worship and sordid lifestyle. God informed the reader that presenting sacrifice is about the worshiper's proper demonstration of a repentant and grateful attitude towards God rather than a system designed to make sure he gets fed. A couple of well-known phrases included in this psalm are, quote, I own the cattle on a thousand hills, end quote, and, quote, giving thanks is a sacrifice that truly honors me, end quote. Psalm 73 records Asaph's thought process through the perplexing conundrum between the fact that God said that he would bless the righteous and curse the wicked, with the common observation that the wicked often prosper and the righteous often suffer. In the end, he is comforted by his realization of the respective eternal consequences and rewards that each will receive in that ultimate judgment. Psalm 74 is attributed to Asaph, but he did not live in the day of Babylon's invasion of Jerusalem, so it must have been written by one of his descendants or a choir guild that followed in his tradition. This psalm laments the chaos and mayhem surrounding the desecration and destruction of Solomon's temple. May 18, day 138. Reread Psalms 75 through 78. Psalm 75 is a communal thanksgiving song attributed to Asaph. The background is most likely the Assyrian invasion long after he had died. So the author may be his descendant or a choir guild organized in his tradition. He praised God for his promise to punish the wicked while warning them to humble themselves before it's too late. It ends with a declaration of praise to God who is always in control of the earth. Psalm 76 is a hymn of thanksgiving for victory, probably also written during the Assyrian invasion of 701 BC. Dr. Charles Ryrie has noted the similarity between verses 5 and 6 with 2 Kings chapter 19 verse 35 and Isaiah chapter 37 verse 36. We can take comfort from verse 12 where we learn that God will ultimately deflate the proud strut of the earth's oppressive rulers. Psalm 77 is a lament song. The author expressed his mental, emotional, and spiritual turmoil over God's apparent disfavor. He mused on God's mighty deeds of the past and dedicated many verses on the account of Israel's deliverance from Egypt. In Psalm 78, Asaph narrated the strained relationship between rebellious Israel and patient God as a warning to future generations. 
He commanded each generation to teach their children to know what God has done in their lives so that, quote, each generation should set its hope anew on God, end quote. Psalm 78, verse 7. May the 19th, day 139. We read Psalms 79 through 82, all composed by the Asaph singers. Psalm 79 is an imprecatory song that describes the Babylonian destruction and desecration of the temple in Jerusalem in 536 BC. The author asked God to observe the horrific sufferings of his people and to show mercy for the sake of his reputation among the nations. Psalm 80 was written in sad response to the author's shock over the fall of the northern kingdom in Assyria. There is much extra-biblical information recorded about the extreme severity of Assyrian cruelty towards their enemies and prisoners. The writer asked God to revive and restore his people as a vine that was transplanted and became fruitful, but is now being cut and burned. Psalm 81 is associated with the Feast of Tabernacles, found in Leviticus chapter 23, verses 34 through 48. The three parts are, one, praise as a testimony, two, remember God's deeds, and three, repent so that God can bless again. Psalm 82, like Psalm 58, is an imprecatory song against Israel's unjust judges who, because of their greed, did not protect the indefensible from the wicked. Jesus, the most righteous judge, quoted verse 6 in a double-meaning response to the unjust verdicts and abuses inflicted on him and the people by the Pharisees. Reference John chapter 10, verse 34. May the 20th, day 140. We read Psalm 83, where a quote from Israel's enemies, led by Edom, is made that is still being verbalized in contemporary times. Quote, Come, they say, let us wipe out Israel as a nation. We will destroy the very memory of its existence. End quote. But the last verse of the imprecatory psalm heralds that ultimately the enemies of Israel's God will learn that he is the only one true God, most high, supremely reigning over all the earth. Following this group of psalms, we return to the historical narrative that we left off on May the 6th, where Solomon was taking the throne. He executed David's four named enemies and fulfilled Samuel's prophecy against the house of Eli. Reference 1 Samuel chapter 2, verse 30 through 35, when he replaced the priest Abiathar with Zadok. The Lord granted him the wisdom for which Solomon asked, as well as abundant prosperity in all other areas for which he did not ask. However, a seed of sin was noted. He continued to worship by burning sacrifices and incense at the local high places, and he allied Israel to Egypt by marriage. This ends this week's reading summaries. My next episode will pick up on May the 21st, day 141. I look forward to your visit then. May God bless you.